Hui Mauliola proudly presents Leo Kupa, Eho'olono Mai, the thought-provoking podcast on perpetuating Hawaiian healing and wellness. Leo Kupa is hosted by Kamakanui Ahailono Jinga. E kia kua mauna lo ala ila lo ke kai Na hau ma kua ya ka hinna kua ya ka hinna alo I kahi kine komohan Na kupu na mahalo piha E ho mai kai 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 kama keo Mnia uko mnia mako Mnia kako a mama uan e ho oman nui kako aloha e ho olono mai welcome to Leo Kupa from us at Hui Mauli Ola the mission of Hui Mauli Ola is to perpetuate Hawaiian healing and wellness and empowering our people through healing this Leo Kupa podcast is a way of capturing the stories of empowerment from our kupuna and practitioners in our community. Today, we have a special friend and guest joining us. Makaala. Um, hello, Makaala. Hey, uh, aloha mai. Hey. Right on. Makaala. O, o Makaala Yates is a Kanaka Maoli who specializes in Hawaiian medicine. His studies began at the age of six. He has been teaching Hawaiian medicine and practice practices for 35 years. He is the founder of Manalomi and Indigenous Botanicals. Makaala is also our original crew member of Hokulea in 1976. Uh, he is also a Vietnam veteran. And in 2005, Makaala received the Kaonohi Award for his excellence in Hawaiian medicine and community support. Uh, he is also the author of Naawao Ola Hawaii, Hawaiian Practices and Principles of Well-Being. Being well, Del- yeah. Of being well, correct. Now, all Hawaii, Hawaiian perspectives and principles of being well. Leo Kupa, pai pai lima. Let's welcome Makaala Yates. <laughs> yeah, you know, that book took me um, almost seven years to write. But the book, the context itself, um, the context itself is simple. The simple concepts of Hawaiian principles and practices. But the reason why it took me so long to write is because at the beginning of the book, if you notice, um, uh, there's my chant of who I am. So during my great-grandfather days, you know, everyone was born with a chant or a chant was created after you're born or before you're born. Auntie Margaret, who was my teacher for 16 years, she had a chant before she was born. And But that, what, that practice wasn't carried forward. So I had to write my own chant of who I am and what I'm here in this world. And that's why it took me seven years to write that book. The chant took me over six years. Right on. So that, that chant was, what, you, you wrote that chant? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, <clears throat> you know, it's, um, it's to qualify who I am. You know, you know Hawaiian, you know, when you visit another uh, Polynesian island or culture you know you always uh, present your chant of who you are where you're from and uh, I just never had one when I was born because of the you know the 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 colonization the illegal occupation of the United States and so forth 
And so I had to do a lot of deep meditation and, you know, search within to find out, you know, my chant, my, who I am, you know. So the chant is called, you know, there's two forms of, uh, of, um, of um, genealogy chant. And this form is, is, uh, is a kuomo. And uh, so the, the title is He Oli No Na Kupuno Makaala. So it talks about, um, you know, uh, it talks about my birthplace, my ancestors, and it also talks about the wind. When we're born, we always have a wind present. What is the name of that wind? Um, mine was uh, the Pilihala wind of, uh, of Kaavaloa. So, and, you know, so the chant really describes my connections to my ancestors and also the different dimensional uh, connection of my ancestors. Um, and, um, you know, and what my role is while I'm here in physical form. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's taken me a while to, 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 make the, to connect the dots. I mean, because all my, all my, all the others died already. You know all the people that that I was around with, especially the 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 uh, the, the women elders um, who took care of me when I was growing growing up. I was always surrounded by by uh, Hawaiian women, and uh, they they um, they watched over me, protected me. I didn't know that then. I found this out later in life when I was an adult when I was talking to um, um, Mona Mona Kahele. Antimona Kahele from Kona, she wrote the book um, uh, "Message from the Clouds" or something like that. You remember? You, you, have you heard of that book? It's a great book. Her notes to herself, and it's, this book is all about that. It's from uh, from uh, Antimona, and she was the one who told me, revealed to me the things that when I was growing up and I didn't know about how she took care of me also when I was a young boy. You know. So anyway, yeah. Did you know? Yeah, did you know from from a young age that this is the work that you would be doing? You know, traveling around, sharing about the importance of these practices from these kupunas and stuff. Was that something that you know? I know you started from six years old. Um, was that somebody ingrained that into you, or was that kind of? Well, you know, um, that's interesting because um, what happened was uh, my two sisters—they're one year younger than I am. They're twins. And we all three of us would be asked to work on our kupuna, and then the first time I remember was in Nanakuli, at the uh, at the Phoebe's house, and Uncle John. Now they've long gone since then, and um, and no, not like this. Do it like this. Do it like that. You know. And um, I was whispering to my sister, and it wasn't like a one-time thing. This was like hours and hours of working on the on, on, on the kupunas. And um, and in those days, you know, you don't talk back. You just do what you're told to do, and all that stuff. And, um, and I whispered to my sisters, you know, because my, and my auntie was sleeping, snoring. And I said, when I get older, I'm never going to do this work. I hate this work. You see? And, but they knew. So it, there were things that was, that was relevant then that I had no clue about that they knew about. And that's why I, f- I feel that I was being, being guided by the, the people in my community, especially in Kona. And the second book that I'm writing right now, I'm finished. The, the context is finished. It's just going to take a while for it to um, uh, to be to be uh, formalized into publishing form format. It's called the Women Kahuna, 
And it's about the three women in my life who are kahunas, Auntie Margaret, Auntie Iolani Luahini, and uh, Auntie Mona, uh, Mona Kahili, uh, no, uh, uh, Mona uh, Simeona. So, and it's a very interesting, magical experience to, to walk with me in this, in, this, in this connection and how we interacted and how we crossed paths and, and how they recognized and saw things and, and started the waking up process of who I am. Awesome, awesome. And with Auntie uh, Margaret Machado, did she, um, I know, like looking back um, and that term of a kahuna that, you know, now we would look at her as, hey, she helped people through those healing processes. She was on kahuna. Did she call herself on kahuna? None, of my, none of my teachers, including Auntie Io, Auntie Io, Auntie Mona Simeon, they all were kahunas. So the idea behind the, the, the term kahuna, see, you know, um, there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding, misrepresentation, misinterpretation of our culture, even by Hawaiians. And the reason for this is that there are different timelines uh, that happen in the, in, the, in the evolution of the Hawaiian people that has altered our behavior patterns and our philosophy and our thinking process. And so, for example, the, the warrior period, the Ali period, or I call it the warrior period, but you know, that, that's when Paul comes and he does his thing and, you know, he you know, massacred the, the, the male population, raped the women, you know, all that stuff was happening. And, and I know this from the stories that was told to me by my kupunas. And, you know, and, um, and, you know, and then you have the missionary period. And that's when the first, uh, I guess the Catholics first came in and then or the Christians came. And then, uh, then you had the, uh, the colonization period or the illegal occupation period. So I've divided the, 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 the Hawaiian uh, uh, experiences in different periods because the speaker who's speaking about our culture, the Hawaiian culture, our knowledge, our wisdom, um, will interpret something from the original past based on the reference point that they're using on the timeline, on this line of a time period. So Auntie Margaret, for example, was a very strong Christian. So her interpretation of mana is a connection to God and Jesus Christ. See, so that was her way of presenting a, 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 a concept that originated way before the white man even arrived in, in Hawaii. So you see interpretation of Ho'oponopono, Lomi, all these things have been varied based on the influences and the indoctrinations that we have gone through as Hawaiians. So now going back to the question you're asking me about, um, I forget, what was that question? Um, like if they, you know, they wouldn't consider, I mean, obviously other people um, called them like a kahuna, you know, looking back at yeah. the market as a kahuna, you know, yeah. but individually she didn't really call herself that or um, during that time frame. Right. So all of my teachers never asked, never told me to call them Kahuna Bababa or Kumu Bababa. Never. None of them. Because that title was given to you by the villagers. The people in the Ahupua was the one that that addressed you as that. They recognized you as that because you have proven yourself. You have uh -huh. done your due diligence. You have you have performed in a way that 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 instills this 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 reputation by the villagers, and so when people go around and start saying, you know, I'm I'm Kumu so and so, I'm Kahuna so and so, that is a self-proclaimed a title given to them by themselves, not the community at large. Of course, now the community at large has changed, 
based uh, uh, compared to my days, of course, when we, the Ahupua'a system, although it wasn't intact, but it was still operating within the village, like in Kona or in Hana. You know, they were still doing things traditionally, like uh, surrounding the Akuli, and then all the village coming down and helping out, taking the fish out of the net, clean the boat, clean the net, put all the fish together, and then everybody went home with a with a bag of fish. That's the that's a that's a the the um, system of 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 a, of a community. We don't have that. It still exists in in some way, but it's it's distant because we're living more in a separated society, and we're going into that more and more now. And so it's kind of hard to, to, to um, you know, to, um, uh, you, you still can have that input from the community, your community, the individual, the person where they live, their community will recognize them as such. And that still happened uh, even in my time when I was growing up uh, in terms of uh, Kohala, Kona, all recognizing. And they recognize, and my parents would talk about the Kahuna uh, uh, and, and uh, uh, Masharo. And referring to Auntie Mari, but they never called her that. But when we talked about her, it was always referenced as Kahuna. So that was a title given by the villagers, not by the individuals. Yeah, Kum, yeah, yeah. Kumu or or Kahuna, none of that was was. It wasn't advocated. It wasn't necessary to address my teachers. Uh huh. Now, yeah, yeah. out of respect, of course, I would in certain circles. Auntie Margaret and I had a lot of one-on-one time, you see. But when we are in public, in public speaking, now I'm addressing her differently. I'm giving her a title because that's the respect I have from my community. Yeah. So that time, what what age were you when you were um, spending this time with Auntie Auntie Margaret? Auntie Margaret was about I was at it right after Hokulea, so about 78, 79. And then I was with her for 16 years. Oh, nice. Oh, you're lucky. Yeah. You got to spend that time with, um, you know, such the um, individual kumu, you know, kahuna that she is that kind of, um, for a lot of us doing Lomi and stuff, a lot of people know about Auntie Margaret and the work she's done for our communities and for Lomi Lomi in general, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, I was fortunate to have to experience those magical days because to me, they're magical days. They're incredibly amazing, powerful women uh, that came into my life that that have have helped me to main to 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 stay the course in terms of who who I am. And what I'm here to do, for example, Auntie Margaret would tell me, you know, when we when we have our private moments, when there's no students around, no no Uncle Dan, nobody, no family member, just she and I. We had a lot of one-on-one uh, discussions about things, about life, about uh, culture, about readers, how to read chants, how to read the energy of the person, how to read um, the signs of, of the of the elements, and you know, they, these were important uh, um, um, qualities to have, especially if you're working in the healing arts, knowing how to connect and, and, and read the human body in a way that you can determine what's going on internally so you can respond to them accordingly. And, you know, and, um, you know, with, with Auntie Margaret, you know, um, there were, I would, I would ask these, 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 you know, these, these kind of questions that I would never ask in a class. 
you know, uh, you know about, about just about about you know each and everything that we do that I've been doing in my life. And they, she always guided me to stay on the on on, on um, in a, in a. She didn't tell me. Oh, she. This is what she said. This is where I was going to. Uh, I was heading to. She would tell me from different times. She would tell me what I'm going to be doing, how I'm going to do that, and what my purpose is of why I'm 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 with her. Um, and I, I'll fast forward a little bit because it's in my book. I go into details about the relationship between all my teachers, especially Antimari. Antimari is the longest, uh, longest chapter, uh, longest um, section of the book because of my time with her. And um, you know that. Um, uh, oh, that. So that I was going to be teaching the work. I was going to be. I was going to be a bridge between the um, uh, the traditional ways and the modern healthcare systems. So I went to chiropractor school, graduated. She even helped me financially to go to chiropractor school, and uh, because she knew that when she left or when she leave left the world, that um, that no one was going to listen anymore to those traditional old ways. Those. Mm-hmm. those those uh, magical ways of, of thinking and uh, because it's 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 beyond science and uh, even she would say that what I learned in chi- what I'm learning in chiropractic school is called considered children's science in fact Kupu Nahale from Waimanaluit was telling me the same thing too what you're learning is children's science compared to our ancestors who knew in depth the world that we live in and the, and the, and the solar system that we live within but anyway, I'm kind of like going on the side there, but Eddie Mark would tell me things about what I'm going to be doing. I told her, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in teaching. I'm not interested in doing any of this stuff. And she said, it was too bad because that's what you came here for. <laughs> <laughs> so she was she was the one that, she was um, one of the inspirations who led you through to chiropractic school? Yeah, yeah. Or, well, partly it partly was with her, but one another part was uh, Al Wilson was a good friend of hers, and he was a chiropractor nature bat. And now Wolfson uh, knew iridology and, and stunned me to, to that, you know, and, and I won't go into that story, but, but Al Wolfson was her really good friend of hers. They both were Seventh-day Adventists, and Al Wolfson did a lot of um, uh, mission work down in South America, and the stories they would ta- talk about and the healings and stuff like that was amazing. And Auntie Margaret was, you know, didn't go there, but she's part of that, of that, of that education. And so that's, that's a connection to the chiropractic school. Oh, I see, I see. And then from chiropractic school, then you kind of um, continue to travel. Like, what made you want to travel around the world and, you know, help out all these people from all over the world, like traveling, teaching courses and doing all these things? Yeah, you know, I I mean, you know, listen, I mean, you know, I don't have all the answers to anything in, in, in my life in the world. I can just speak from my own experiences and my interpretations of what I, I see and experience. And, and my traveling began after I left high school when I went to the military and had that exposure in, in foreign countries and, and combat zones and so forth. And, and then after that was tennis. And then, you know, t- I, I was able to, to play uh, professionally for a few years and I taught uh, professionally for many years at uh, tennis all over the world. Um, Tahiti and France, you know, all over. And, you know, having that kind of experience, you know, and 
And of course, my wife would, would explain to anybody that my chart would, would tell you that one of the destinies, one of my, one of my uh, characteristics of who I am is traveling. That's, that's, what my, that's part of my, my lifestyle. And so after that, um, you know, um, when I was in chiropractor school, uh, how I began to teach, because I, I had no interest in teaching, none at all. And it amazes me that when I have students that come into my classes, my Manolomi classes, um, you know, uh, they, they, the first question uh, they would ask me, not a lot of them, but once in a while I get them, uh, how can I teach, teach this class? And, you know, the, the moment you ask a Hawaiian uh, a kumu or kahuna, whatever, this kind of question, you, you, you just lost any potential of learning anything. Because they see your intentions and they understand that, you know, it, it's, it's for the wrong reasons. And so anyway, I was in chiropractic school and I was asked by a chiropractic teacher, professor who teaches soft tissue. So in chiropractic school, as a, as a young student in chiropractic, not I was older, but I, as a young, you know, as a second, third year, um, my, the, my reputation was, was, was moving around the campus a lot from my work, from the, from the Lumi work. Uh, that I learned from uh, with Auntie Margaret, and even the adjusting uh, that I learned from from her and, and, and Al Wolfson, and you know, and um, so um, um, I went off a sack here. Uh, what was I talking about? For, completely forgot what I was talking about. So when you was going through um, the chiropractic school and uh, traveling around. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So um, you know. I, I started teaching the class because a professor who's a chiropractor in the soft tissue aspect of the, uh, the courses that you have to take in chiropractic school asked me, hey, can I show him some, some techniques? So I showed him a couple of things and he was blown away and he asked, can you teach this class? I want to learn you stuff. And so, and then another student friend of mine was having a hard time getting his patient visits in senior clinic to graduate. He wasn't getting enough people you know, for, to come in. And so he came into, so I started, I taught a class like five people. One of my professors at school is a chiropractor and a number of my students. And the moment the class is over, that my student friend finishes his, uh, his patient visits literally within weeks because of the hands-on skills that he learned from that. And it was from then, and I was in communication, direct communication with Auntie Margaret, what I was doing, what my intentions was, and, and I'm here, I was there to just help people out. And she was the one that encouraged me to continue the work because who else is going to do it? Mm-hmm. And so that, that's when it first started me, me actually teaching from, from necessity of helping other people, then second, then later fi- financially. Oh, nice. That must have been a good advantage that you had from having that Auntie Margaret training and then going to chiropractic school then. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. Right on. So, um, you know, I know um, being a chiropractor, you know, what is and the importance of our spine? Um, what can we do these days to keep our spine um, healthy? You know, I know that's one of the things that, hey, you know, everybody's kind of aging. We're all getting a little bit older, you know. Um, what can we do to continue to keep our spine healthy? Well, you know, um, so 
you know, the reason why chiropractic, I feel chiropractic is so successful, by the way, the Kaunohi Award is from Alexander Kaunohi, who was a kahuna in Honolulu, a laulapa'au person, but he also graduated, he also has a chiropractic and naturopathic degree. And, uh, and what's interesting, I'm going to side align the story here, because what's interesting about Kaunohi is that he treated my father when my father was a young man who had an illness that the medical doctors couldn't figure out. And uh, my grand granduncle Julian uh, Yates, who was a senator, was the one that took him there because uh, he was sick. They didn't know what was going on. And he walked into the door, Kaunohi's office, and Kaunohi looked at him and says, the first thing Kaunohi said to my father, didn't know him, didn't even know my granduncle, but because of reputation, my granduncle took my father there, right? And so the first thing he told my father before he even closed the door, the house you live in, there's a water tank by your kitchen. The third pillar around, from, the, from your kitchen window around, there's a bone buried there. There's a, there's a man buried there. You need to take care of that. Just like that. Wow. So when people start giving these, these you know, a, uh, you know, esoteric readings about past lives or whatever, all this kind of stuff, it's nothing compared to these kahunas that, that existed in Hawaii including at the market guys, because they could then you could read and see things way beyond the physical self. Mm-hmm. How did he know there was a bone over there? How do you know there was a kitchen by the water tank? I mean, even describing the house. And you know who did that too was uh, Mona Simeona. When I was dating Rella Sun, uh, Rella Sun was a, a surfer from Makaha, and uh, we dated for a few years, and she was like number three in the world surfer, and I was playing tennis, uh, professionally teaching professionally, and and you know one night there was this image a male image walked through the living room and i said whoa it was like a ghost image and they didn't bother them i said you guys see that oh what you saw one guy yeah i said he comes and goes he's been doing that for years but he doesn't bother us what and so i said you want to you want to do anything about it he said what do you know anything about it i said no i don't know but i know somebody who knows and so i contacted morna and Morna says, okay, uh, I didn't tell her what's, what the situation is. I said, can I meet with you? That's all I said to, to her. She said, yeah, come up, Liki Liki, uh, driving. You know, Liki Liki driving. Oh. So, uh, so that was like her second office. So I went over there. And she was talking to another student. She said, wait, Maka, I'll sit over here. I mean, she finished with the student. She said, okay, now come sit down over here. What's up? And so I tell her, I was in the house last night. I didn't tell her name. I didn't tell her where. I just said I was in his house, and I saw this image walking through the living room. And I was wondering if you know anything about it. She said, wait, wait, wait a moment. And she looks, she looks right at me and she stares th- like she's looking through me. I don't know, maybe less than, less than a minute. She was in this trance state. And then she said, okay, uh, Maka'ala, uh, here's the situation. There's a man that hung himself. So in that house, the living room goes into a hallway. She's describing the house to me without me telling her anything about the house. She's never been there before. Never been there before. And she said that um, it is a hallway by the living room. In the hallway, there's a closet. This man hung himself in the closet. That house was not there originally. It was moved from someplace else. But don't worry, Makala. This man is just confused. We'll help him. And so with her help and me and, and Rel and her daughter, and we did some ceremony around the property while Morna was doing her thing in her place, energetically. And we never saw the image back again. Right? So... And, you know, so, I mean, we're talking about being able to connect Uh with with not just people who are in physical form, but those who've already gone on or stuck in between worlds. 
And, uh, you know, and then, if, so then Ralph finds out that, that the, she asked the landlord, finds out that the house was moved from Sand Island. And she bought the house from Sand Island because Sand Island in that time period was when all the Hawaiians was evicted. That's where all, you know, the, so they could build the uh, Honolulu Harbor and Ala Moana, you know, all that stuff there. There's a big sandbar over there mm-hmm. at, at the mouth of uh, the Honolulu Harbor now. And so this man is this, this man uh, couldn't, didn't, you know, we're talking uh, ancestors and generations of living on this sand island. And he, he didn't want to, he didn't want to move and he hung himself in the closet, according to the woman. So everything was confirmed. Wow. So these kupunas, like that spiritual connection or that, you know, that, that way that they would be able to connect to know all of these things and not even need to be present. It's pretty amazing. huh? Well, see, now that's the question that I've been asked a lot now about connection. Because you notice now, because with the whole COVID thing going on, and I don't want to get into that subject matter, but with, that's, with that, it even making things even more separated. And, yeah. that, and that, to me, I feel is orchestrated for a reason. The more we are separated from one another, the weaker our ahupua'a system becomes. So when I say Ahupua system, I mean the connection with, within each other in our communities. Uh-huh. We go to the store now, we're not, we can't talk to each other because we have mouth is, is covered and we don't see each other. And, you know, we have this distance going on. And we have this, oh, you know, his, you know reminder that this is terror is happening. And so now we have this fear and we're lacking that love and the connection with one another, which is, which is a sad thing. You know, and... You know, so but but the connection is so. You know, I get this question a lot in all my travels in in Europe, in in, in Asia, in Hawaii. You know, um, um, one one a Hawaiian woman from uh, Hana, Maui years ago asked me, Makaala, I feel that our family system is being um, falling apart, falling apart. Not just hers, but in general. Mm-hmm. And I said, she asked me. How do can we reconnect the family again? And I told her, I told her that I could probably speak ad nauseum about philosophies and, and principles about family systems and f- keeping families together, Hawaiian or non-Hawaiian. But that wouldn't do anything because there's one thing that's lacking within our communities. And I asked her if there was two elements. Doesn't matter what what that element is uh, that creates a thread that all of the, or connection, energetic connection, that all of the people in the community can uh, latch onto, or maybe it's not the right word, but, you know, to, 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 to grab onto so that the connection is there within one another. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I asked her, what are the two things that are missing in our society? And, you know, words came up, you know, love and this and hate, love here. No, I said, no, 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 no. Put it into physical form. What two physical elements are missing in our communities? So I'll ask you that question, uh, Kamaka. What do you think that is? The elements that are that The, are the connection. The connection that's missing. That, 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 can, that can bridge the family back together again. I think food is always, you know, the I. Um, you know, that the healthy foods and eating together as families. So you see, we can come up with a hundred 
ideas and 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 and, uh, and things that can relate to that. But that's not what I'm asking. It's it's just two simple connection, and it has to do with the kupuna on one end of the spectrum, and what's on the other end? The keiki, kamali, the kamali and the kupuna. That's what's that's what's missing. That connection. You asked me a question. Uh, the other, uh, you had a question here about you haven't asked me yet, but I have it an email that about uh, disciplining children or keiki. Sorry, uh-huh. you know, and I don't like the word discipline because that re- 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 that re- is referring to um, scolding and uh, uh, creating a harshness uh, to the soul of that of the young child. Yelling uh-huh. and screaming at a young child um, starts the fracturing of a soul or separation of the of the spirit self and the, and the soul self. So the physical, spiritual, and, and the soul aspect uh, of an individual. And, um, you know, um, the two connection, what, the, the kamali, the, 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 the child, and the, the kupuna, the elders. Uh-huh. You, you bridge that connection again. You bring the communities together. But what are we doing with our elders? We're putting them in, not, not maybe you and I would do that, but I mean in general, even in Hawaii, what are we doing? We put them in retirement communities. We put them in old folks' homes. And what signals are we giving our kikis? Well, they're irrelevant. They're not necessary anymore. Well, when a kiki becomes a teenager and they become, um, you, know, um, you know, typical teenager behavior, who do they turn to? Not the parents. Parents don't have time. They're working. They're they're busy. They're 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 frustrated. They're 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 stressed out. Um, you know, they it's broken record with this with this, with a daughter or a son or whatever. You know, and pretty soon, you know, they're bumping heads with one another. But who do these teenagers or even the younger um, male and female uh, turn to? It's the it's the grandparents and the great grandparents. That's who have the time. That's who have the wisdom to tell stories and to share things and to exp- and to it to share a part of the culture with this with this growing up child uh, so that they can realize the significance that they have between them and their parents you see the kamali'i and the kupuna bring them together again then you have a foundation to bring the family together and then so because you know growing up i mean i remember uh, this I, I was giving a talk in uh, in in rome i think yeah uh, in, in Italy, Italy someplace, and uh, one of the other speakers was from. He's an Aborigine from uh, uh, from, uh, from from Australia, and he was saying that um, in, in his time growing up, a, a child in his village, you never hear a child cry. You might hear a child cry for a moment, but it was it would it would uh, stop immediately. And the reason is because everyone in the village takes the time to find out what's going on and to participate and to help and to be with this child. You see, so it's 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 everybody's responsibility to help one another out, and that's where we are separated from. So with these with these kikis, um, and you know, some of the kikis, oh, kiki, a little bit hard head. How can you, you know, tactfully, in a sense, without using the word disciplining these kikis? You know what I mean? Like, how how does that work? You know, I know connecting them to kupuna, um, but as, you know, probably a lot of makuas listen to, um, you know, listening in, trying to figure out, hey, I get three keiki, you know, and how can I 
without having to, you know, give them a pa'i, you know, how can we, or time out, how can we keep them in line? Yeah, I see, you know, these are words that are suppression. It's, uh-huh. it's, it's suppressing the, cake, the soul of this keiki. Uh-huh. It's not about keeping them in line. It's not about, um, you know, um, you know, um, I don't know what the other word you use, but, you know, um, uh, hard hit. These, they're not hard hit. They're trying to communicate. And we're just not listening. That's all. And my two sons, you know, they, my older son was a Taurus. And he was determined. God, wow. And, and, you know, it, it, he just needed to understand what is his role. What am I, you know, obviously you want to, uh, you want to be, create an environment that keeps him safe, keeps him healthy, uh-huh. you know, and, you know, and, and so it, that takes time. Under, listening to a child takes time. Most of us don't have time in our lives. We don't have time and, and everybody is busy. I mean, got to pay bills. I mean, you got to go here and got to go there, you know, and when we have time off, it's like, you know, we all do it together, but it's so fast because, you know, we don't have time. And, you know, every, every child needs the attention of something. And there's nothing, wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. And, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remind you what I said earlier. I don't have all the answers. Yes, I raised my own kids and all that, but they're still going to be who they want to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, we, 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 um, we, we've prepared vegetarian meals for our kids. Yeah, they had chicken and fish, but that, no meat. No beef, no pork. Growing up. Then in high school, they went visit their friends. Hey, dad, how was the sleepover? Yeah, they made some pork for us. It was really good. And we're like, what? <laughs> you see, <laughs> uh, they kind of freak us out, right? Because we want them to live healthy, right? Because, and so forth. But you cannot, you cannot um, discipline them because they did that. If they have to experience that. You know, then I don't know. My, my my son got older, and he's in college now. And he got to drinking, and oh, sometimes carried away drinking, and uh, and then relationship breakup, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, you know, eventually, you know, eventually, um, you know, um, they're gonna come around. And I told my wife that too. You know, like she was like, "Oh no, my our son, look at the direction they're heading into." But don't worry, they'll come around. Sure enough. The older one asked, hey, hey, dad, I want to do a three-day fast with you. Can we do that? Absolutely. So now he knows how to do the three-day fast. So he can detox his system. And, and he doesn't drink today now. It's, it's all of a sudden. And all on his choice, not from us disciplining him or, or counseling him or, or honing into him what's right and what's wrong. It's, a, it's allowing him to understand what his role in life is about and to, and to, and to know that we're there to help support them any each and every step of the way when they want it yeah yeah i think that's important like you just said i mean just knowing that that you got their back you know and that you you're supporting them 110 percent with whatever they do they have to come to their own realization but we need to be there to support that uh-huh so, so as, yeah. as uh, sorry I wanted to point out one more thing too. I see this a lot, not just in Hawaii, but outside Hawaii too, where the parents are yelling at the kids, you know, in the stores, not to touch this, like that. You know, that kind of yelling is so unhealthy for the child. Uh-huh. 
uh, spanking so unhealthy for the child because what that does, it it sets the tone for the rest of their lives of what they can cannot do. It puts limitations into into asking questions, into into inquiring about things, learning about things. You know, um, yeah. So yeah, I think one of the things that a lot of you know um, people would say is like, hey, when we was growing up, we got lickings. You know, that was the discipline that we got and we turned out fine. You know, that's what a lot of people will say, you know. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, that's that's what um, they feel that, you know, can be, um, I guess that's part of what's been passed down. You know, that, hey, growing up, we all got leggings and that was part of the discipline process. Um, So I think, you know, there's that, but still learning as, as young parents, you know, yeah, but, like, like that, that, that stuff never existed during my great grandfather days. Mm-hmm. That's something brought in after the missionaries came. I'm not blaming right. the missionaries. I'm not blaming the white people either. But that behavior, it never was like that before. So all I'm saying is that is that when I was raising my two, my two sons, I uh-huh. realized that very same thing that I was doing that my parents was doing to me. And that was wrong. The way I was disciplining my kids, I was doing it the way they did to me. And my wife brought it to my attention. And I said, oh, my gosh, look at that. I'm, I'm shutting them down. I don't want to do that. Yeah. And I had, to ch- I had to break the blueprint of how I was raised. And then look at my, ch- my children and see who they are and raise them accordingly. But true force was not the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I talked to um, another kupuna who said the exact same thing that, hey, our kupuna wasn't like that. You know what I mean? That they weren't the the violent type who would discipline in that sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely, obviously, you know, you don't want to, you don't want the child to walk across the street without looking. I yeah. mean, you know, you got to teach them certain things about, about, you know, about, um, um, about, you know, taking responsibility of their actions, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, uh, you know, not knowing what a chili pepper tree is and grab a chili pepper and then take a bite of it, you know, instead of saying, hit the hand and say, don't eat that. It's going to burn your mouth. Let them bite the chili pepper. They bite the chili pepper. Whoa, they're about to hot. They won't touch it after that. Huh? <laughs> you know what I mean? So they learn through experience, but it's, you know, tough love is okay. I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, you shouldn't be, you know, uh, strong. Uh, uh, you shouldn't have a, um, I mean, having tough love is important, raising children, no question about it. And, you know, so I don't have all the answers, but I just can tell you that uh, violence of any sort does not work. And that, that is actually suppresses the soul of the, of the, of the child. Yeah. And, you know, and being a, being a whip with the child is also not good either. Uh-huh. You know, but I tell you right now, you ask my sons today, they'll tell you that they, that what they have learned is through our behavior, my wife and I, how we behave. They, they, so, respect, they respect me so much of how I treat my wife, her, their mother. And, you know, they have never heard us scream at each other, yell at each other, ever, ever in their lives, in our home, ever. Because there's no need for that. If we have a disagreement... We sit down and have a discussion. And what happens in a lot of families is that they start yelling at each other because they're stressed out. Mm-hmm. 
financially stressed, and and now pretty soon it 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 becomes a, a separation issue now, and now divorce happens. And I mean, even I remember when we had a my wife and I had a disagreement in, in my kids were still in high school, and my youngest son says, "Mom, are you guys getting a divorce now?" Because their friends all divorced, yeah. and they, and it's and it's common for their friends to hear yelling between parents. Uh huh. And my kids have never ever heard that our behavior like that with each other. So you got any um, tips for families out there? I mean, obviously, with everything going on today, it's a stressful time for families. You know what I mean? Where I mean, Hawaii, they say you know over forty percent of people. 30 to 40% of people is unemployed, you know, mental health issues, obviously more people, you know, alcohol abuse. Um, any suggestions for or tidbits um, through your exp- experiences for some of these families um, that are going through these struggles? You know, how can they maintain that, that balance or that pono in their life during these times? Yeah, that's a tough question because, you know, I mean, obviously I'm not going to sit here and, and start um, spurting out all these ideas for, for the listeners out there to, you know, to, to gain from. There's just no way uh, that I can do that. Uh, I can tell you that, um, that um, you know, obviously, you know, finances is a big issue. It has always been. It's always been a big issue. Uh, uh, with the with the, with our culture, especially, uh, but not limited to the Hawaiian culture, and you know, and and um, you know, you 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 know, you lose your house, you you know, you're homeless. You, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you have to deal with, and it's easy for someone sitting on a, you know, behind a desk and and, and, and blurting out you know ideas for for you know to help them out. And I can tell you that that w- what has to happen is we have to come together as a community and find out what are your needs. And then within the community, who can help this and who can help that? Uh, my, my, my nephew, uh, he, he lives, in, uh, he lives in, uh, in Sacramento. He sent out a message to all other people on his social media. He says, anybody out there is homeless, don't have food, you're going hungry, you contact me now. And he says... You don't have to worry about your identity. I will keep it private, but I'll make sure you have food. You see, this is what I'm talking about. Get the people out there involved with each other. Find out what their needs are. I remember when I was in Kauai doing a class there in the power went out, the whole island. And I was in Hanalesai, and everybody was panicking over there. People were fighting in the stores, taking water, trying to get all the food out of the store. You know, everybody panicking. So I called my friends down in, in Kekaha on the other side of the island, the Hawaiian side of the island. <laughs> and I, and I, the, first, the first thing Carol says is, so what, is everybody panicking up there? I said, yeah, you're going crazy with the cops over the stores and all that. She says, well, you know what we're doing over here? What? So we're going door to door, find out what you need. And then we go find out who has it to give them water, food, whatever. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. Why don't we do something like that to help each other out in this time until we can get back on our, f- our feet again? Because there are some in the community that can help. Yeah. There, and there are others who, who are just in the. It doesn't matter how they got in the predicament. They're in the predicament. Come on. Mm-hmm. Step up and let's see what we can do to help each other out. Yeah, definitely. So they're more of a community-based, like, you know, supporting each other than 
I think a lot of families think they they're alone. They don't yeah, have, yeah, they yeah. don't have their support. And I and I think they if someone was able to go into the community and communicate that, hey, listen, I know so and so play. And you know, a lot, a lot of churches are doing this. You know, they're going the the Mormons are doing it. But we should be. Everybody should be doing it. It doesn't have to be a religious effort. It should be a community effort. Yeah, I do that here. I mean, you know, I know somebody is, is needs help. You know, um, uh, health health wise, and they can't afford things. I'll give them uh, cleansing herbs. In fact, I just made some cleansing herbs this morning, just before I came online. Uh, and and oftentimes when people can't afford it, I help them out. I do what I can. If I can afford it, I'm going to help them out. If a if if somebody uh, needed um, to to um, to come into my class but couldn't afford my class, and they have a legitimate uh, financial issue and they have a family that they want to support, of course I'm going to let them come in. Mm-hmm. This is this is what I'm talking about. Find out what their needs are, or if if someone asks me, and if I can uh, if I can help them, I will. Mm-hmm. Just, I wouldn't even think twice about it. <clears throat> so when you talk about um the cleansing um, and fasting um, can explain a little bit um, on that aspect of like, you know, the healthy habits of like periodic cleansing or. Okay. Um, so, fasting. so right now I'm 72 years old and a lot of people don't believe me. And I tell them that, you know, cause I, I don't, I mean, I guess I sound like I'm bragging. I suppose I am. Right. And let them know that you shoot in the what seventies or breaking, <laughs> 69. Breaking I, I shoot 69 in the golf, yeah. All right, 60s. You're a 60s I, golfer. But not not often, but in the 70s usually. So, you know, but I play with young guys, 30s and 40s and 50s uh, people. And But anyway, so, um, you know, the, 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 the first fasting I did was with Auntie Margaret in uh, 79. And I've been fasting every year since then. Now I fast, and I only do a three-day fast. It's, I, it's, it's still considered a prolonged fast, uh, three days. Uh, but it's no food, and it's uh, herbal formulations and different things. It's a program. It's not like not eating for three days. It's a very specific program. And, you know, you can go to um, monolomi.com or, or, or indigenousbotanical.net um, and, uh, you know, to find out uh, more information about that. So the, the reason why I created this three-day fasting program was to help the Hawaiian people out. When I, when Hui no Kelopono from, uh, from Maui uh, asked me to come in and, 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 and be involved in, in, with the with the community there with Lomi and, and other things, uh, including nutrition and, and, and fasting. And, and so I, I, when I said, when I, when I mentioned to some of these, these Hawaiian, we're talking 30, 40, 45, uh, of them, uh, we said, you know, let's do a three day fast. And they said, what's involved with that? I said, well, we're not eating for three days. Oh, no, thank you. Uh, and I need for three days. Makahala. No, I don't think so. You know, that kind of response. But in 2005, I was able to get 40 people, 20 at a time, fasting, and all kinds of health improvement happened. So in a three-day three-day program, they fast for three days, taking herbal formulation and with 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 uh, with, with, with uh, grape juice and stuff like that, and seawater flush. The Hawaiian, it's a combination of Hawaiian philosophy and modern um, uh, ingredients. So the Hawaiian uh, philosophy is always, uh, you know, you, you clean the na'au out uh, before you treat the person. Uh, with herbs or or anything like that and how they did that was they they drank brackish water so you know seawater they they mixed the seawater with fresh water one-third seawater and two-thirds fresh water and but in hawaii today i'm not sure how clean that seawater is but you can get sea salt healthy sea salt you know from the caves and stuff like that like himalaya sea salt or 
I get mine gifted from Hana uh, Pepe, and, and then I also get salt from uh, from Poland, uh, but a, a mile underground, you know, like a million year old salt, uh, from, you know, really old, really good stuff. And actually, you know, so bending a, so one tablespoon of sea salt in half gallon of water will flush the system out in the morning, early in the morning. So we do a seawater, I call it seawater flush. Of course, people who are listening shouldn't just do it on their own. They should, you know, consult me first before you do something like that. But they, you clean, you clean your entire digestive tract out from the throat all the way down, esophagus all the way out to the uh, large intestines. And then you take uh, herbal medicines or you know, pharmacy or you know other natural uh, medicine treatments or whatever it is. But I do that fast three to four times a year each year. So I've already done two this year already, and I'll I'll do two more uh, in the fall and, and winter time. <clears throat> and that's just my regular regime of my life every year. And that helps me to detox the system because there's air, air pollutants, pollutants in foods, especially heavy metals. So the, the, the kind of fasting that I do, and also they don't have to fast. They can, I have people just doing on cleansing. So they take the, the, the same formula, the, the, the powder formula, the cleansing formula, and they don't take, they don't take aggressive amount like we do in a fast. And, but they, they can eat normally as they would, but they detox themselves at the same time. I developed this for the Hawaiians uh, before we did the fasting because fasting was, was not going to happen for them. And so I, I developed a two-month program because I find in 60 days, uh, the behavior patterns, the lifestyle changes starts to kick in. One month, they don't they go back to the old ways. Two months, they start changing in new ways because they see uh, the results better. Three months, for sure, uh, you see them change, uh, want to change their life for better, you know, to live better. And so the, the cleansing and the fasting are two different things. Fasting is an aggressive way of detoxing the body. The cleansing is a slower way of detoxing the body, but you can eat like you normally would each and every day. Uh, and then you do a, a parasite elimination. So there's a lot of parasites in Hawaii. Uh, you have animals, you have kids, you eat out, you know, or you eat raw fish, you know, I guarantee you have parasites. And parasites are linked to a lot of issues, including uh, arthritis. So yeah, I mean, so that the, the so the 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 formulations that I make, the powder and the tinctures and all the stuff that comes with the the program, have the I developed that over thirty years, thirty years of developing that. And so you have a you have a kit available that people can yeah kind yeah. of they can go to body. they can go to Indigenous Botanicals, and it's okay, indigenousbotanicals.net. Yeah, and they can go okay. there. Otherwise, Manolomi. Um, is there too as well? So I did want to to clarify the lomi that I do with the mana lomi, uh, and and that is um, it's 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 because today there's all kinds of lomi going on out there, and I see this especially in Europe, big 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 time, um, a, lo a form of lomi that's, that never originated in Hawaii, but they're selling it as it is, without going into details, and and uh, and, and based on huna, which is we know is not Hawaiian, which I won't get into at this point. Um, you know, uh, and the Lomi that I do is focus on problem solving. And that's what Auntie Margaret was really, really good at. She could fix physical problems with a snap of her finger. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what my focus is, teaching that and doing that. So on that problem solving, being good at assessing what's actually causing these issues then. 
Yeah, going to the core of what the problem is. Somebody has, for example, um, a rotator cuff problem. You know, the, 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 you know, the, the shoulder hurts. And, mm-hmm. and maybe the rotator cuff is involved. While the, there are key muscles that are important in this area, one of them is a teres minor. So teres minor is an ex- external rotator of the, uh, of the arm and shoulder. And it's attached to the, uh, the, the scapula and the, and the humerus, the bone of the shoulder, the, arm, the upper arm uh, bone. And um, how you work on that muscle is critical in terms of getting results. And most therapists or professionals in the, in the health, in the, in, in the, in the hands-on field, are, are, I feel, are not competent enough to understand how to work on that muscle. So if you know how to work on that muscle and you open the muscle up, then the rest of the other tight muscles will unravel like a, like a domino effect. And then you have faster results. So the teres minor there is a key link to the whole shoulder girdle. So in the body, there are key links, muscles that, are, that play a key role in, a, in the configuration of other muscles. If you, can, if you can get into that one muscle, it'll help you with the rest of the muscles. Uh, sometimes you're not able to get to the teres minor because they can't lift their arms up. So to, uh, to, to access the teres minor, the arm needs to be extended up, to need to be up, uh, raised up, because then, it, then it's exposed. When it's down, it's hidden underneath. Of course, you can get to the attachment on the other side, but a lot of times the arm, when, your arms bring, when you bring the arm up, then you can address that muscle. Uh, but if you can't, then you need to know how to to work on that shoulder girdle to allow the arm to come up. So there's and there's ways of doing that. Right on. So um, I know with everything going on, when's the next time you're gonna be doing um, some workshops and stuff like that? In case some of our listeners would be interested, because I mean, you know, um, the problem solving is always one of those things of hey, people always coming to people with issues. You know what I mean? Whether it be low back issue, neck issue. So finding ways to resolve um, some of those issues is always, um, people are always interested in that. You know, I know um, these days it's hard just with uh, the current situation of things and with travel. Yeah. Um, but you got anything kind of? Um... Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I mean, uh... It, it depends. I mean, it depends on, on the travel uh, restrictions um, going into Hawaii because I'm living in, uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona right now. And right now I'm scheduled to do a Mauna Lumi 1, a level 1 class in Maui, in, in Kihei at the uh, uh, Maui um, Maha, M-A-H-A, Maui Academy of Heating Arts in Kihei. And it's level 1 on the 24th of September. Uh, it's a four-day program. And in the level 2 is advanced uh, uh, Mauna Lumi. On the 28th to the um, the first of uh, of October, so four days each. So 24, 25, 26, 27 is level one, and then 28, 29, 30, and uh, and then October first is level two. But it all depends on whether they you know the quarantine is lifted or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that one's in October in Maui. No, September, September 24th. Yeah. Oh, September, September. September in Maui. Yeah, the, okay. I mean, yeah, and that's a, the only one right now I'm scheduled to Hawaii because I, I have to wait until I see. Uh, I mean, absolutely, I can't go to Europe. There's no way the American can go to Europe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right now I'm, you know, I do classes uh, here in Arizona. I haven't scheduled anything yet because I'm waiting for, uh, for the dust to clear. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't make so, sense to or, to organize something when when people can't even come here. Uh huh. So some of um, our Leokupa listeners were interested in the fasting and in the cleansing. Um, would they be able to contact you via email or just um, phone calls or whatnot? Yeah, they can go to the website. My email is there, but they can go also to um, Manaola, Manaola, uh, M-A-N-A-O-L-A, at centurylink.net. And that goes directly to me in email, and they can ask any questions they have, and I can point them in the right direction. If I don't have the answers, I can point them in the direction that they need to go into. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then, um, you know, I mean, I know that there's a lot of uh, a lot we haven't covered because uh, yeah, a lot of good, other good questions. Maybe we can do another part two sometime in the future. Um, yeah, yeah, no, we'll definitely have to do um, a series of these because I know you know you've been doing this work. I mean, like you said, starting at six and now you're seventy-two. You know what I mean? So that's a lot of experience, and yeah. I wish we could do a uh, a two-day Leo Cooper with you, Mahala. Yeah, the, uh, the other thing too is I, you know, I also do, um, you know, uh, whole ponopono sessions to people to help people out. So you know, uh, they can go on to the Manoloma website and find out that information. And uh, okay, and again, you know, the whole ponopono that I do versus uh, and like the Lomi that I do, it's all focused on problem solving. So it's not about philosophical principles. It's like okay, what is what is your story? And what I do is I, um, I, uh, I listen to the story of what the problem is. What, what is the main heading of their story? And then, and then, I, then I ask questions based on that heading of the story and find out all the key players involved in that story and, then, and the key uh, experiences involved in the story and, and, and the trauma, whatever is involved, and then connect the dots. Connect the dots and then find out, okay, where, where is all this? Where's a key link in this whole story that we can unravel so we can, so we can, so we can, uh, because it, it gets really confusing when, when, when people have these, these, um, these, these conflicted issues, emotional issues and so forth, you know, but anyway, it's, it's something we can discuss another time, perhaps. Okay, perfect. So, um, with a lot of, you know, some of the practitioners listening in and, um, one of the things, you know, what would be some some of these characteristics or practices of people who you consider to be excellent practitioners in our community what traits do they have well see that it goes back to the same thing again it is not me to decide who's 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 exceptional who's excellent it's a community that decides that not me and 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 you know um and in terms of uh, the elements that that leads to that, that that exceptional ability is their work in the community. How, and not just because they're teaching classes now that makes them this expert. I'm talking about in the field, in the trenches, helping people out. People have physical problems, emotional problems, mental problems, whatever it is. They know their work. Then the community, um, the community. Will recognize them as such, but just because they are teachers doesn't mean that they're excellent practitioners. Yeah. So it's your work that that is your um, your legacy, not your words and not your your video clips and all this other stuff. Your 
your, your, your marketing strategy is not all of that. It's your work in the community that you live in or, or extended community, if you like. I mean, I, I reach out to people all over the world and I've created this micro community of like-minded people and have their, you know, and, and of, of supporting and helping one another out. You know, we, 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 we even have uh, opportunities once a year where we go into communities and give uh, Lomi free to the community, um, depending on their needs are, like in Japan, and Poland, other places, and Italy. And in Hawaii, we did it when we were in Hana. Uh, we took it to Hana and, and, and was working on the people in Hana for free. You know, why don't we do more of that? Mm-hmm. It's nice talking to you, Kamaka. Right on. Mahalo nui. Mahalo nui, makaala for your time. Um, any last messages to our yeah, community or to our families in Hawaii and around the world? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I mean, there's a lot to say. There's a lot to say. I do want to, I, you know, I do want to express what is it that I do to maintain my uh, positive attitude or my inspiration in life, because I, I look at things that inspire me, and I because I want to inspire other people. If you come into my class and you're not inspired, I'm not doing my work. If I can inspire people in what I do and what I, who I am, you know. That that is, that is. Uh, my focus, and you know, and, and and you know, so. You know, for me, I get up every morning and I visualize and I and I and I, see, an outcome that I prefer to be in. I understand that you know just visualizing something is not going to happen. I mean, you you know you have to. There's a lot more action that needs to be taken for a positive outcome to happen but um but you know i i always always look at no matter how negative another person is i always find something positive about them looking into the positive of other people that to me is the challenge and that's where i feel that we can make a difference in in the world awesome hey uh how about i how about uh, i we end with a song sure uh, Ole Kumukahi, you remember that one there? Okay, here we go. Hey, Aloha Kumukahi, hey, 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 Aloha Kumukahi, Kumukahi, hey, hey,
You know, that, that next time we have time, I explain this 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 song that I wrote, this chant, Mele Oli. It depends on how it is. It's based on that book that uh, now um, you know the, um, the, um, the the first book that I wrote. Nice. So now, for people, um, for listeners that want to get on to the Nawa um, Ola Hawaii Hawaiian practices and principles of being well book. Um, where they can get down at? Well, you can go to Amazon. Amazon is still there, but I'm going to be doing a second edition next year. So, you know, just hold on. I mean, you can still get it. It's it's, it's on Amazon. Okay. Uh, I, I'm going to be re-editing that book and republishing it next year. Perfect. Right on, right on. Well, we'll definitely have to do another one of these um, um, Leo Koopas here soon. It's always good talking with you, Kamaka. Right on. Well, mahalo anui once again to our guest today. Mahalo for joining us on Leo Kupa. Um, mahalo to all our listeners. Mahalo, um, Brad Makoa, for helping produce this podcast. Please share this podcast with your ohanas. Um, subscribe to our emailing list at huimauliola.org. Um, follow us on the socials of Instagram and Facebook. And if you got any questions or comments, please, kahea mai. Um, mahalo for the stories and Leo Kupa today, mahalo. Hey. Nui ki aloha. Nui yeah. ki aloha. From Makaala Yates, Oao Kamaka Nui Ahailono, Ola. Hey. Ekia kua, Manalo Alai Lalo Kekai, Nao Makua, Yakahina Kua, Kahina Aloi, Kaikina, Kumuhana, Nakupuna, Mahalo Piha, Eho Maika Ike, Kaikaika, Kamana Keola. Hey, aloha. A mama uanoa, Eho Omana, Noe. Mahalo nui, makaala. Enjoy the rest of your day and we go be in touch. Aloha.